Chris Biddle and thank you for joining me and this is Inside AgriTurf. As we all now know, none of us can really know what lies around the corner. We can plan, we can produce fancy forecasts based on historical data and then something comes out of left field and bang, everything changes. Just look back at the turn of the year in 2019, the economy was buzzing. We were looking forward to 2020 as being more of the same, plus a bit hopefully. And yet, within three months, everything came to a shuddering halt. More than a year on, life as we knew it is slowly starting to return to normal, that is, we hope. Now, most businesses simply mothballed their premises and got used to different working methods, new communication resources and being able to sell and supply products at arm's length. Amongst those companies who adapted quite successfully was MKM Agriculture, a dealer in Bedfordshire specialising in ATVs who unusually holds the franchise for all four of the leading Japanese brands. And I spoke to the owner, Anthony Deacon, for episode 14 of Inside AgriTurf last November, when he talked about having had a good season, utilising remote selling techniques and how he was looking forward to more of the same in 2021. That was until the early hours of 7th of April this year, when a devastating fire destroyed most of his premises, along with 80 machines, that was his stock, and customers' machines in for service and repair, along with all his workshop tools and equipment. So, Anthony, thanks for joining me, and I hadn't really planned on catching up with you quite so soon after our last conversation, but uh, we're speaking exactly seven weeks on from the day of the fire. And in that time, you must have been through quite a learning curve on how to literally pick up the pieces of your business and move forward. But first, I'm, I'm sure that it will be a day that will live for a long time in the memory of you, your family and staff. Yeah, I mean, I think really it's, it's something that I'm never going to forget. Um, I, I received a phone call from my grandfather who, who lives on site at 20 past four in the morning and you know, granddad doesn't phone me very often. He's he's ninety five. So when you're not you get at four in the So when you get a phone call from your grandfather, you're normally worried whether it's three o'clock in the afternoon. But when it's twenty past four in the morning, yeah. Um, not that I had too much time to to think about what that call was, but yeah, it, it woke me up. I answered the phone and he said, uh, Ant, there's a fire, the workshop's on fire. So I said, Okay, granddad, I'm on my way. Um and I'm, I'm fortunately I'm only kind of half a mile away. Uh, I arrived at the gate. The gate was locked, and there was flames coming out the roof of the workshop, thirty, forty foot in the air, and it was like, oh my god, yeah. what's going on here? So I unlocked the gate, and um, and you were there before the fire appliances. Yeah, so I, mean, I arrived at four thirty-three uh, a.m. and. The, I went and made sure Grandad was okay. I got him out of, um, out of his does home. Does he live on site? Dad? He does, yeah. He, okay. li- he lives on site. So, And his, his home's quite close to the fire where the building was, um, literally right next door. So I, I, he was watching out the window, and I said, look, Grandad, uh, he was quite nice and warm, but I said, you can't stay there. We, we need to get you out of the way. So, we, so I got him out, and literally four or five minutes after I arrived, the fire brigade arrived and I called the fire brigade when I arrived, but I think they'd already had numerous phone calls uh, because mm-hmm. it was like, it was like fireworks going off. There was 
explosions and popping and banging and all sorts. So, D- did he actually get woken up by the noise or the? the yeah, the, yeah. And he's quite his hearing's not great, so <laughs> you know it would have taken some taken some loud bangs to wake him up. Sure. And so presumably the fire uh, crews, d- d- they had to secure the site. Were you allowed any access into it at all? Or? Yeah, no, they, you know, actually we had some storage containers right next to the building um, that was on fire. And, and I was I was driving the, the Manitou telescopic forklift uh, with a frozen windscreen, trying to steer it hanging out the window while we were emptying the containers of lawnmowers, new lawnmowers in boxes uh, to stop them you know, being part of the blaze. So, yeah, yeah no, it, I was, I might as well have had my yellow helmet on and jacket on and I, you know, I was, they, they wanted us involved, but really, you know, they, they wanted to, they wanted a plan. They wanted to know what was in the building, where these, where the hazards were in the building because, and it's gas bottles, you know, that they're yeah. the things that they, they want to know. Um, and they literally, they, they, within, within a few minutes, they'd set an outdoor office up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning so in the command front of our yard. effectively yeah. yes yeah. there was tripods coming out there was um there was a drone uh, flying around the site picking out all the all the hot spots and things and you know what they did was fantastic uh, and how long were they physically on site then uh, anthony so they didn't leave they left at around 2 30 in the afternoon so the fire was the fire was you know they were fighting the fire for a good 10 hours uh and they they had to come back that the in the evening um, because you, just to check, there were some some areas that started to kind of smoke heavily again. So they were back at eight o'clock in the evening just to dampen it down a little bit more. But there was a lot of them. Uh, and, and was one of your first thoughts that where the hell's the uh, insurance documents, or did you have them to hand? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think you know, if I remember, I remember standing there with with dad, uh, with my dad, with granddad, um, just watching it, and the, the fear, the fear one of the things I remember is when we were watching it and when you look and the fire brigade are standing there watching it, you kind of realize then that, you know, mm. it's gone. That if, if the fire brigade are watching it, wondering what to do, then the chances of anything being left was, was just you know, real slim. So by the time that had all calmed down, um, it may be seven o'clock ish in the morning, uh, was st- some, our staff had started to arrive and we informed them, I then started to make my way up to the office, and yeah, it was it, open the open the cupboard, find the file, find the insurance file, and get the policy out because now now this is real, and we've got to we've got to try and deal with this. So, and the insurance company, you got them on the case straight away. Yeah, so but by eight o'clock in the morning, I'd had a, a, an email to my uh, my contact at the at the our broker, um, and. You know, he was on the case straight away and we had a loss adjuster appointed to us by the end of that day. Um, and, you know, they were they were on our case straight away. And uh, your your lines of communication were still open to customers and, and so on. So you could get hold of customers. Uh, presumably you had to, 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 to confirm what kit you had in there and who it belonged to and so on. Yeah, that's right. I mean... We we never made we haven't made a plan. Uh, we we never made a plan of action for what would happen when there was a fire, and it's definitely something that I would advise other businesses, and we would definitely have that in future. That what would happen when there was a fire? Mm-hmm. Because at eight o'clock in the morning, when my staff are arriving and the workshop's gone, and 
everybody you've got to think on your feet you've got to think quick you've got you've got to work out a plan um, and the initial thing was right what's our plan what are our priorities for today so the the service Paul my service manager his his priority and his task was to inform all of the customers of their losses yes fortunately, yeah, fortunately our computer system and um our, our, you know I can praise them now catalyst uh, we, we use their computer system and our the information that we've got is is brilliant. So we knew exactly what was in that building. Uh, we knew the make, the model, most of the VIN numbers, the serial numbers, the hours, the mileage, because it's recorded on our system. So, um, so yeah, by we 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 wanted to inform our customers as quickly as possible of their loss before they heard and they were contacting us um, because. The, the fire it was on the local ITV news the BBC news all, all the radio stations it wasn't going to be long yeah. before we got uh, uh, customers asking questions so it, it doesn't bear thinking about that had you lost all the admin uh, of your building it would have made your task a lot more difficult presumably that's right yeah fortunately we we're in two buildings so we still had our computers we'd lost all the physical job sheets which which uh, you know a lot of the physical paperwork that was over there we lost all of that so we we have lost some information but we'd still yeah. got our computer system so we were, sure. we were fortunate really and how soon were you able to get onto all your suppliers our priority was our customers um and my priority was to make sure that we're insured and to get the insurance in place and to to make uh, make a immediate short term plan as to how are we going to work and what are my staff going to do like we didn't nobody everybody came in to work and everybody had their own job to do albeit different so i don't think really our priority was to disc- to talk to the suppliers they probably came to me before i went to them yeah um we, we, you know, we put the news out on social media, so uh, they kind of everybody knew what was happening. But I mean, yeah, a, two or three days, I think, and I'd started to speak to the suppliers. Uh, and how long was it, uh, then, Anthony, to you would have a basic uh, operation uh, going there that you could sort of access stuff and you, you could start thinking about how you were going to move forward? So I suppose that was the the day after the fire. So the Thursday, we 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 obviously we then decided that we would need a real real short term plan. So the the workshop that where Dad started MKM in 1986 uh, was still standing. It was due to be flattened uh, this summer, and we were going to build uh, another new building. Uh, but it was still there. You know, it's an eighth of the size of what we lost, but. It was at the end of the day. It was a, a building with that we could use. So we we emptied that with with some you know contents of, that we didn't need. Um, we moved that out of the way, and we we went and bought, bought some basic tools quickly, so that we you know so our guys had something somewhere to work from, and we could continue to trade. So we adapted very well, very quick, and and I can't praise my staff enough for you know how well they we all worked together to to achieve and do what we did in the time that we did it was was fantastic really um you, you said you had all the records on, on computer but had the computer actually gone down could you have accessed all the record were, were the records available to you on the cloud or, or or through your through catalyst and so on yeah correct so we do we do our data is saved to a cloud um it's also uh we back up our data to a memory stick now that memory stick doesn't go in my pocket and go home very often, uh, hardly <laughs> at all. Um, it does now, 
And, and, and how understanding, uh, presumably they were, they were customers of the predicament that you found yourself in. I mean, obviously, their, their machines had, uh, had been destroyed in the fire. They were without something to use, and some would have needed it more than others. Uh, uh, what sort of contact and dialogue did you have with them? Sure. So, obviously, our priority was to inform them all straight away and as quickly as possible. But on a whole, most of them have been very, very understanding. Uh, a lot of them were offering support and storage space. The local farmers were offering us if we if we needed to use their buildings for anything, or if they could help in any way, they'd help. And the support was fantastic. We had we have had some customers that that were awkward and um, not as understanding as the majority. Um, we, you know, and we just had to deal with every situation individually as best as we could. You know, it's it's seven weeks today since the fire, and we've still got. Uh, we lost. There was fifty six customers' machines in there, and and I've still got um, you know, a handful to agree values, and ultimately try and find replacement machines. So we're we're, we're you know a good length of the way there to having that done now. Yeah. Um, but it, not quite all the way yet. Did the insurance company give you any indication on the time scale that they would likely to take to settle a claim and allow you to move forward? No, not really. And that was the most frustrating part because we we didn't get confirmation that the insurance company had accepted liability until three weeks after the fire. So that was three weeks of us, me, not knowing whether we were going to be covered uh, under insurance or not. And, it, you know, we didn't want to put a plan B in place. And I, I was adamant that it was going to be okay. And I prayed it was going to be okay, but I didn't get a lot of sleep in those three weeks, um, to be honest, because, you know, basically, ultimately, um, our livelihood was on the line. Sure. Fortunately, and they came through. Was there any um, indication at that stage on the likely cause of the fire? So the forensic investigation happened on two days after the fire on the Friday. Um, and we had a couple of people here. They were here all day and they they went through a chronology with me. They wanted to know what we were doing in the building the night before, um, who locked up, who un, you know, not yeah. unlocked because you didn't get that far. But, you know, they wanted to try and build up a bit of a picture of what, what went on in there. Um, and they... Due to the extent of the fire, I mean, it, it was so hot in there that, that all of the, like the aluminium casings of the engines were just melted into a blob. So it was almost uh, it was almost impossible to find the cause. They had a few, they had a couple of ideas that it was like electrical and, and possibly a, a lithium iron um, uh, rechargeable battery, um, but no definite real idea no. of what it was yeah no now this all happened of course at, not only at a busy time of, of the year for you but at a time when everybody who's operating in the agriturf business knows that stock is a bit of a premium at the moment and actually getting getting new machines as replacements uh how much of an issue has that been then anthony and and what sort of help have you had from suppliers well, it's huge. I mean, there's there's no good time to have a fire, lose your workshop and 80 machines. But to have a fire, lose your workshop, 80 machines and not be able to buy anything to replace it with is, is you know, we've just been hit with both ends of the stick, I, I think. But um, it's tough. Uh, the customers have, uh, understand that. Uh, yeah, the suppliers have been fantastic. Um, uh, Honda, Honda really um, have done been very supportive and they've they've offered us some some machines um from their kind of loan hire demo fleet which has really really helped us out that's been great 
Uh, I think mean, all the others, Suzuki, have really been helpful. Yamaha, Kawasaki, they've all helped us out. And you know, I, I couldn't really ask for any more. They've, they've, all, they've all done a, a sterling job with that. So, so how long it, just to backtrack, how long was it bet- between the, the, the time of the fire, the date of the fire, and the time when the insurance company gave you the green light that they would settle the claim? So that was, yeah, that was three weeks, dead on three weeks. Um, and that's pretty good, isn't it? I, yeah. I would have thought. No, I mean, I'd have liked it within, the, I'd have liked to know the next day, but, um, <laughs> and they didn't really, they couldn't really, they couldn't really give us a time scale. It was, I, I was phoning, I was chasing them every day. What's going on? What's going on? I didn't know what kind of time to, what kind of time scale to expect, because obviously we've not been through this before, but um, there were some complications. Um, and, and literally, uh, Chris, I think I said to you before that, that when when something like this happens and you grab that insurance policy, uh, I, I said I you know I could write a book and if I write a book about this I'm going to call it the last six pages. Yeah, I'll come on to that in a minute because you yeah. mentioned that to me before and I'm intrigued by that. Um, <laughs> but uh, Anthony, your claim then presumably would have been for the buildings, the replacement of the buildings, the loss of stock and tools and equipment, and 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 was a sort of bis- business interruption uh, also built into it? Correct. Yeah. So the, the, we have got business interruption insurance, which we need. We've so there's different elements of the claim. So we lost parts. We've lost whole goods stock. We've lost tools and contents. We've lost yeah. the buildings. Uh, we've then got um, we've got business interruption insurance and increased cost of working. So the the business interruption it will it, that will work in a way where they will they calculate our gross profit rate and pay us that gross profit rate percentage of our loss of turnover. So so that kind of element of the claim we won't really look at or calculate until we're back to the no. position where we would be if it wasn't for the fire. Yeah. Um, increased cost of working has been fantastic. We, you know, we'd have really struggled with that. That that's helping us put up a temporary building and and, and get us working, which um, which has been really useful. So this intriguing phrase, the last six pages. What's the relevance of that? <laughs> so. Uh, you know, for years, ever since I've been looking at insurance policies and documents, and any time that we have a meeting here with with my you know insurance people, our broker, we've we've always we've all we always concentrate on the first six pages, which is the level of cover that you've got and what you're covered for and the values. We never really look at the last six pages, which in my policy I've got six pages of the of the cover and six pages of clauses, and all of a sudden when something like this happens you just forget those first six pages and you go to the last six and you and you look through there and, and I understood nearly those last six pages word for word because that ultimately you know that the insurance company will look at that and they will look to see if there's a way out a way where we've done something wrong or uh, you know where they can get out and, and and not accept liability and there were a couple of clauses in there that were um, some of the wording was a little bit ambiguous and it was challenged and I was interviewed and scrutinized and it was some very, there was some very awkward, pressured, stressful conversations between myself and the loss adjuster and ultimately insurance company. Did you have to get any legal advice on all this or do, or were you sort of playing it by the city of pants? So fortunately what we had was the, the, the insurance company, uh, and I can mention a name, Allianz, yes. um, they they appointed the loss adjuster and our broker, uh, Gallagher's, Arthur J. Gallagher, 
they appoint a loss controller and the loss controller is basically a retired loss adjuster that stands between us and the loss uh, adjuster and he's actually you know, he acts as our legal advice so he's like an ombudsman then is he exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, he speaks for me we, we speak to him and he says yes or no you can't say that or this is what you know this is what we need to do so looking at the whole experience then, Anthony, what advice, and I think some of it's come through already, what, what advice would you give to dealers from your own experience to protect their business if something unfortunate like this should happen to them? Yes, yeah, so definitely never, you've always got to consider that one day it may happen and you've got to have a plan in place. You you must have, it, it, I suppose, just imagine arriving at four o'clock in the morning and your buildings are gone. What would you do? definitely think about your waste management your waste control your electrical appliances make sure that you're doing the best you can um, with all of with, with all of those regulations and elements make sure that you check the last six pages and your clauses and if there's anything in there that you're not sure of just ask the insurance company just 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 say you just get them to check and confirm if there is anything that you're not sure of but misplacement you know it might happen it, it, it may yeah, you've got to consider that it may happen. And and so, where are you now? Uh, how long will it be before you think you will be um, operational in all that that we expect you to be? So yeah, we're we're struggling a lot at the moment because we're we're waiting for our temporary building to go up. So we've got a ten meter by thirty meter temporary building which will pretty much nearly cover the floor space that we've lost. That's the, the concrete slabs down now already for that and that's due to be put up in the next two three weeks we'll we'll have that building assembled is that for, that's for workshop facilities that's, that'll be our workshop and, and store which to replace what we've lost so at the moment yeah, the, the showroom what, what we're struggling with is obviously everything that we deal in has to be locked away at night so we're, we, we we're struggling with secure storage space so the workshop's not very big that we're working from and we pull everything out during the day and then we, we cram it in like a game of Tetris at, at night just to try mm. and uh, and we're you know we're stacking things on top of each other in the, in the showroom just to keep things safe it, it's going to be tough until then we've just got to knuckle down deal with it and and hopefully you know the, the pain will be eased once we get that temporary building up in in two or three weeks time really apart from all the practical aspects of the fire and and so on have you learned anything uh, apart from all the uh, all the events that went on around it uh, if you sort of learned stuff for yourself uh, Anthony and how you would deal with similar emergencies god forbid that they should ever happen again yeah um i mean my excel spreadsheet skills have been put to a test because <laughs> I've I, I knew how to use that, but yeah, I know how to use those very well. I've I've spent the last seven weeks staring at spreadsheets, and and I I know I've learned how to value uh, a twenty year old ATV by the remnants of the shell with no engine and no plastics on it. I've um, I've learned that, but I think really, would we do anything differently? Maybe, but I, no, I don't, we we would we didn't do anything wrong. But yes, I would would I would do some different things differently. I've I've got a fire plan now because I can fine tune what we've just been to. That will be our fire plan. If, if anything was to happen again, we will, we will look at um, battery charging and our electrical areas and things like that inside the building, probably get a, a, a smoke alarm linked into our alarm so that we can get a call a little bit earlier, maybe would help, but it's been an experience. 
definitely been an experience and I've learned a lot. Uh, and this, yeah, there's a few things that we would do that we would change, I think, in the future. Uh, and uh, presumably sleep de- deprivation, deprivation as well. It's, <laughs> it's been a knock-on effect. Yeah, I've, uh, that's um, yeah, real, real puts to put me but, to But generally that. the industry have been, um, and I know from all the comments that I've seen through Service Dealer and so on, that, 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 that there's a lot of love out now, I say love out there, until you start um, competing against them again, of course but uh, uh but the, the industry's been generally of, of help to you has it oh fantastic you know the the suppliers have been been brilliant the fellow dealers from you know inverness to uh, to devon cornwall all over wales the, the dealers from all over the uk and the level of support that they've offered has just been been second to none really um service dealer bagma uh, those kind of people it's just been been fantastic yeah. and the the level of support even like our some of our publications and we've we've had some of our um our, our you know, ad, advert magazine suppliers have helped out massively as well so uh, it's been yeah that it's i couldn't ask for any more really chris and the the support you got from alliance and and your broker Gallagher's, um has that been up to scratch Oh, brilliant! Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we pay we pay a premium. We pay a, a premium. Obviously, my premium's going to go up now, and I dread to see what that's going to be. But yeah, um, we pay a premium. But when this happens, they've been fantastic. You know, the, yeah. the broker, the insurance company. Yes, it, it took a little bit longer than I would have liked to get the decision in the first place. But since we've got the decision, yeah, the people there have just been brilliant, understanding, helpful. They've been financially supportive and. Um, yeah, you know, really, I can't complain about any of that. Well, it must have been a very, very long three weeks whilst you were waiting for it all to be uh, agreed. But uh, even then, seven weeks uh, from when we're talking now to when the fire actually occurred, uh, in the in the scheme of things, doesn't seems to be quite a, a short period of time to, to to start getting up and running again. Yeah, that's right. It um, yeah, I mean, it feels like a long time um, now, but uh, the, the building the, the the demolition team are just moving out today so the, the fire damage building's gone and kind of it's almost like maybe like the end of that fire era and and now everything that happens is is going to move forwards to the to the guys the technicians the staff that look out there and now they can see rapid progression is is kind of quite warming for them as well um but yeah i mean it, it, there's a long way to go the, the next few weeks are going to be challenging until we get that temporary building in place and, and ultimately the next few months until we build our new building. Well, look, uh, thank you very much for your time today and going through all that in some detail. And I'm sure that there will be dealers who will uh, start to look at things. I, I look forward to reading your book, The Last Six Pages, <laughs> if you ever get around to, <laughs> to writing it. But it's, it's an intriguing uh, notion and I'm sure it will make a lot of dealers stop and think and and just ask the the, the two words what if exactly i think definitely um you, you've you've hit the nail on the head there chris yeah okay anthony really good to catch up thank you ever so much for your time and i really do wish you well in uh, all your rebuilding and re-establishing the business again no thank you chris thank you very much for having me whoa my goodness That is a powerful, vivid and highly charged account of a devastating episode that will have an impact on Anthony's business for some time to come. And yet the way that he and his staff responded in a time of crisis is to be applauded. 
Even now I can hear dealers rushing to their files and digging out their insurance policies to check it over. There are many practical nuggets of advice from Anthony that will surely concentrate the mind of every business owner. So I'm sure that everyone in this industry will not only send their best wishes and are glad that Anthony and his family are safe and unharmed, and particularly his 95-year-old grandfather, who was in the equivalent of the Royal Box when it all kicked off. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside AgriTurf.